So, hello, and thank you everyone for being here tonight. As you'll have seen on the schedule, on Thursday evenings, mostly Thursday evenings, we plan to uh, explore these Brahma-Vihara practices, the four beautiful qualities of heart and mind that can be cultivated very directly through specific meditation practices. So as I think most of you probably know, these four qualities are metta, or kindness, karuna, or compassion, mudita, appreciative joy, and upekka, equanimity. And so once a week at this time, and occasionally on another day, we're going to give you some brief instructions about these four skillful states, followed by a guided meditation. And just to say up front, even though we're only offering these practices once a week, you're completely welcome to pick them up at any other time that feels useful for your practice. So just a little bit of context to get started. Some of you may be wondering how do these Brahma-Vihara practices fit with all the other practices that we have been doing and will be doing on this retreat. So there's a direct connection between at least the first two of these qualities, kindness and compassion, with the overall path that we're developing here, the Noble Eightfold Path. So in Winnie's talk last night, she spoke about the importance of right intention, the second of the eight factors of the Noble Eightfold Path. And as you may remember, right intention includes the intention to relinquish, to let go, to release what isn't helpful, to live with voluntary simplicity, as we all are doing here. And that intention is supported by dana, or generosity. Then the second intention is the intention of non-ill will. In other words, goodwill, which is another way of defining metta. So metta is very commonly translated as loving kindness, but it also means goodwill, friendliness, benevolence. So as we're cultivating metta, we're also simultaneously strengthening this aspect of right intention, the intention of non-ill will. And then the third of the three intentions is the intention of non-harming. And this one links to the Brahma-Vihara quality of compassion. So as we'll be exploring, compassion includes not only the willingness to turn towards pain of any kind, but also the wish to relieve that pain wherever possible. So again, as we cultivate karuna, compassion, we're simultaneously developing this right intention of non-harming. And in a similar way, there is an interrelationship connection between our insight practice and these four skillful heart qualities. And this is a big topic we'll come back to, but So for tonight, I'm going to try and keep it short and simple. So we can think of the four Brahma-Vihara practices as as ways of keeping the heart-mind supple and resilient, open, flexible, able to respond to whatever we experience with some degree of ease and acceptance, 
even if that experience is unpleasant. And as I'm pretty sure you all know from your own practice experience, there are times on this journey that are difficult, uncomfortable, challenging. But when the heart-mind knows how to abide in kindness and compassion, appreciative joy and equanimity, these, in a way, are another form of refuge or protection that Bhante spoke of the other night. So we have this protection of the Brahma-viharas that supports us to respond skillfully to our circumstances rather than just reacting unconsciously out of old habits which usually are rooted in afflictive states. So you could say the Brahma-vihara practices help to support and strengthen our insight practice and it works the other way too. So there are times in the Brahma-vihara practice when various obstacles come up qualities that get in the way. So for example, we might sit down with the intention to practice kindness or compassion and instead find ourselves totally lost in fantasy or seething with unexpected resentment or bored out of our brains or numb and shut down or sometimes just nauseated at the sheer goodness of it all. So maybe some of you recognize those kind of obstacles. And I want to say straight away that it's not a problem. It may sound strange, but that's actually a sign that the practice is working because these practices are designed to show us what gets in the way. Because unless we can see what's getting in the way, we can't do anything about it. And so if we happen to find ourselves in this terrain, then we can bring our insight understanding to these obstacles and to recognize they're impermanent. They come and go due to conditions. They don't belong to us. They're not who we are. And most of the time, they're not our fault. So with our insight understanding, we can simply recognize thought patterns arising, passing away. We don't have to take them personally or identify with them. And so in this way, Vipassana practice protects the Brahma-vihara as well as vice versa. So that's just a very brief little bit of context. We'll be saying more in future talks. For the rest of this evening, what I'd like to do is just come back to the first of the four, metta, as I said, kindness, goodwill, universal friendliness. And in this tradition, we start with metta because it's understood to be the foundation that the other three qualities grow from. And I think that all of you have at least some experience with metta practice. I know the three-month yogis do because you've been doing this on Tuesday afternoons and using the reciting phrases method of cultivating metta, which, as you know, we offer to different categories of beings, always starting with where the metta comes most easily and then gradually extending that to include more and more challenging beings. And this is the, you could say, the standard way of doing metta practice in this insight tradition. Tonight, though, because some of you have only just arrived instead of diving straight into that more formal way of practicing, what I thought to offer is what I think of as a kind of pre-meta practice. You could say kind of warm-up 
if you like, (laughs) to hopefully just gently prime the heart and the mind so that when we do come to the formal practice, maybe it won't feel like quite such a stretch. Because I know from my own experience, and also even just today, talking to some of you in the practice meetings, for some of us, this practice actually doesn't come easily. So my intention is to try and maybe find a way to make it less of a struggle. And I heard that in part one, I think it was Greg Scharf and maybe Guy Armstrong too, they joked about being former members of the I Hate Meta Club. So some of you may be current members, I don't know. But I can say for myself, I was, I don't know if I hated it, but I was definitely a pretty hardcore meta-skeptic. And with hindsight, looking back, I think one of the challenges that I had with this practice was the pretty unrealistic expectations that I put on it. So I believed that I was somehow supposed to just sit down and conjure up out of nowhere these oceanic bliss states of unconditional love for all beings everywhere, when in reality my poor bruised and battered heart could barely sit in the hall with another 90 meditators. So that was a pretty big ask. And then when I couldn't generate that imagined boundless kindness on command, of course I judged myself, I tried harder, I forced even more, which as I think you know was totally counterproductive. So it took a while, but finally there were, eventually there were a few understandings that helped me to release that pressure. One was the understanding that metta is not an emotion to be manufactured, but it's an intention that we can cultivate. So even if I was sitting in meditation and mechanically reciting the phrases over and over with no apparent response in the heart, I came to understand that that was still time very well spent. Metaphorically, it's perhaps a bit like preparing the soil in our garden. So if we want to grow things well, we need to remove all the rocks. We need to add compost. We need to pull out the weeds so that at some point, when conditions are ready, those meta-seeds will naturally sprout. So the first understanding is it's not about chasing after an emotion because if your heart's anything like mine, it tends to get performance anxiety. (laughs) And if it's asked to do something too strenuous, it just shuts down. The second understanding is that these four qualities are the natural state of our hearts and minds when we're freed from the grip of afflictive emotions. So it's not so much about trying to generate something foreign, so much as tuning in to what is actually already there. Now, of course, depending on your personality, life history, social conditioning, temperament, it's possible that these qualities may at first feel pretty distant, inaccessible. But as we learn to relax and to attune to even the faintest signals of kindness, of compassion, of appreciative joy and equanimity, just that tuning in helps the signals to get stronger 
and over time it becomes easier and easier to access them. And then the other realization that helped me to finally get some momentum with the practice is that it is very definitely a gradual development, a gradual training. And we really can't force it. So that's why, as I mentioned tonight, I'd like to offer some ways just of easing into metta that hopefully will make it more accessible for those of you who've just arrived. And for those of you who've been doing it for a while, maybe it will give you a way of refreshing the practice if it possibly feels to have got dry or tight. So just as an overview of what we'll be doing, when we move into the guided meditation in a few moments, I mostly won't be offering phrases. I'll begin by just inviting you to settle in to being here. And then as a support for the warmth of kindness, to start to notice any aspects of your experience that are at least somewhat pleasant. Or if you can't find anything that's pleasant, anything that's neutral. What we're trying to do is just temporarily put aside focusing on any discomfort that may be present. Because generally speaking, it's easier to connect with warmth and kindness if we already have some ease and well-being in ourselves. So again, we're not trying to manufacture anything. We're not trying to force ourselves to feel good. But just gently open up the awareness to include a wider range of experiences. So I'll invite you to notice just some very simple sense-based experiences that may be slightly pleasant. And then once you've got used to that, I'll drop in just a few suggestions that might help to flavor your awareness with metta. And I say flavor in the sense of it almost being just like a subtle fragrance that's there. We're aware of it, we can sense it, but we don't have to make it happen. So it's metta more as a kind of an energetic resonance, perhaps a very fine vibrational warmth, kindness, care. And perhaps without words or images or memories, just an energy And then after we've spent some time just touching into that option, that possibility, you can either let it flow naturally into whatever meta practice you're used to, or let it completely go and just come back to the anchor, the home base, whether that's the breath, the whole body sitting, or sounds. So that's just an overview to give you a sense of where we're going with this. And I'd like to give it a try now. Okay, so just taking a moment or two to settle in. To find a position for the body where you can find a balance of alertness and some degree of ease. Gathering the awareness in the simple experience of just being here. Coming home to the body, if being in the body is comfortable for you. 
we're just resting in that simple knowing that you're here, here in this room, here in this moment. Whatever way feels easeful for you. So you're just gathering, steadying the awareness on the experience of breathing or the whole body sitting or the knowing of sounds. Just connecting with the immediacy of your experience. As best you can, letting go of any anticipation or performance anxiety. And just effortlessly establishing that connection with your usual anchor. That anchor that allows a sense of coming home, of being at ease, just here. And as the awareness becomes a little more steady and stable, you might begin to notice, to tune into any aspects of your experience now that feel just slightly pleasant. Perhaps it's the warmth of the hands touching the support of the cushion or the chair beneath your sitting bones. Perhaps the softness of the clothing against your skin somewhere is pleasant. 
Or maybe you notice the natural sense of softening and releasing and relaxing. It's available with every out-breath. Just gently exploring what's true for you in your own experience. Anything that's subtly pleasant. If you can't find anything that's pleasant, then don't struggle with it. Perhaps you might notice some experiences that are neutral. Perhaps the temperature of the air on your skin. That slight pause between the in-breath and the out-breath. Or the quiet in the room. Just inviting your awareness to connect with whatever experiences are subtly pleasant or neutral. It can support a sense of ease, steadiness, well-being. As you continue to tune in to any experiences that may be slightly pleasant or neutral, just noticing if there's any sense of well-being that may be present now. However faint it might be,
Just tuning into even the slightest trace of ease. Okayness. Acceptance. Letting yourself abide in any well-being that may be present now. And tuning into the heart center, to the chest, to see if perhaps that ease might support a quality of kindness, goodwill, friendliness, metta. Just an easy, simple, natural experience of warmth. And if you can find a trace of this warmth, of this metta, just knowing it, allowing it, opening to it. And if there's no trace of metta, just knowing that, allowing that, opening to that. And perhaps gently inviting metta for any non-metta that may be present. Just meeting however your experience is right now, not struggling with it. Making space for it knowing that metta is okay and non-metta is also okay. You're settling back and resting in that openness. From time to time, just seeing if there may be a flavor of warmth, a subtle flavor or fragrance of metta.
as you continue tuning into that flavor or that fragrance of metta, you might notice any effect it is having on your body, heart, mind. Possibly a sense of lightening and softening, opening, release. Again, not manufacturing anything, but just knowing what's true for you. And if that metta energy does feel available for you, you might allow it to naturally extend into whatever your usual metta practice is. Maybe letting it infuse the phrases. As you offer metta to you yourself, May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I be happy. May I know peace. Perhaps that meta energy wants to expand, become more inclusive. May we be safe. May we be healthy. be happy. May we know peace. So just inviting this energy of kindness to settle into whatever practice feels appropriate for you now. If the matter energy is not so present, then you can just let go and return to the home base of your anchor. As we sit together in silence now.
Thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.